G'day, I'm Martin Isles, and this is the truth of it. And today I'll be talking about the Great Reset. And if you don't know what that is, stick around because it's significant, it's quite big. Uh, it's also something that's been the subject of many conspiracy theories and concerns in recent times. And I'll also be talking, secondly, about the Change and Suppression Conversion Practices Prohibition Bill 2020. It's a word salad, it's a mouthful, but uh, we'll be talking about that. It's in the state of Victoria, it's about LGBT conversion therapy, and uh, what does it mean for the whole country? Quite a bit. But first of all, I want to make a quick comment about the elephant in the room, which is the US election. I talked about it last week. A number of things have changed since then. I'm not ready to talk about it again until next week. The reason for that is it's really difficult to know what's going on until the court cases are actually filed. I don't want to comment about the PR. I don't want to comment about press conferences. I don't want to comment about politicking. I'm really just interested in the cases themselves, in the evidence that's being put forward and in the nature of what's going to actually be put into court where you know, the rubber meets the road and they're going to have to try and prove, that's what I'm interested in. And the reality is that right now, uh, there really doesn't seem to be anything in court that could change the election outcome. Uh, it all depends on um, uh, Sydney Powell's, the name of the attorney in question. It all depends on her promise to, quote, release the Kraken. Uh, her, her comment that this was going to be a biblical case, a case that would allege uh, fraud uh, and allege hacking of the Dominion voting machines and the Smartmatic software and all the rest of it. Huge things have been said. She says she's going to file imminently, and that means if she does, one of two things is going to happen. Either it's all going to be in there like she promised, in which case we'll have a lot to talk about next week, uh, or it's all going to be PR and no substance, in which case I'll certainly be, you know, pretty annoyed uh, about all of that, but we can cover that as well. Let's wait and see. I don't know. If evidence is there, we'll look at it. But for now, I think the wisest thing to do is wait and see, otherwise we risk getting caught up in the noise. Having said that, let's move on to another big global issue, which is the Great Reset. As I said, this has been quite topical of late. There's a lot of different theories swirling around. Some of them are verging on conspiratorial, but it's important to address it because it is real. It's not actually, the existence of it is not a conspiracy. Uh, you know, Time Magazine is running a great reset issue. Uh, the World Economic Forum is calling its next national annual meeting the Great Reset. Uh, and they've put out a paper called The Great Reset. It's very, very real. It's an actual thing. Um, and it has meaning for all of us because it's got great influence at the area of global governance with with uh, world leaders and so on. But to understand the Great Reset, you first need to have some understanding of the World Economic Forum or the WEF. Uh, this is a body, it's just an organization, a not-for-profit. It's based in Geneva in Switzerland. It was founded by a bloke called Klaus Schwab, Schwab uh, in 1971. And basically, in a nutshell, it is a think tank. Uh, it's a think tank kind of on steroids, though. Uh, a think tank is kind of uh, an organization that produces research. Um, and they put together research papers on areas that are relevant to government policy. So it might be research on tax rates and the impact it has on business, or it could be on, I don't know, um, the nature, you know, how many trees are in a suburb and what that does to happiness of the community or whatever. It could be any number of things. And they could put this research paper together, do all this original work, prove the whole bunch of things, like a 20% tax rate is ideal, or seven trees per square meter is ideal, or, or whatever. There'd be a lot of trees, but, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they go to government and say, here's our recommendations, here's our research. Some of these think tanks are quite influential and they can really influence government uh, policy through the work that they do. Um, the World Economic Forum 
is a bit like that, except that it's kind of enormous. Uh, it is global, for one thing, uh, and also it's managed to get real influence with uh, a lot of global figures, uh, mostly world leaders, uh, but also uh, global business leaders, uh, also figures like Prince Charles, Greta Thunberg, all these types, uh, and a lot of um, sort of uh, celebrity types and everything as well. So it's quite a, you know, a broad church, so to speak, uh, and it, it brings all these people together at what they call these annual meetings. Uh, the annual meetings in its own words, quote, bring together top leaders and shape global, regional and industry agendas. All that kind of blah, blah, blah wording is pretty common in everything that they write. Um, it's boring. Um, but in January 2020 of this year, about 3,000 of these so-called top leaders attended. Uh, they were mostly business people and they were mostly world leaders, uh, politicians. Uh, it's influential um, enough to have informed political campaigns. So the phrase build back better, which was Joe Biden's, uh, one of Joe Biden's slogans for the US presidency is actually a phrase that comes out of the World Economic Forum and the work they've been doing. Um, it was all also uh, used by Boris Johnson, the same, the same three words in some of his work. Um, also, you can see the slogan appear on a lot of government department letterheads and, uh, and communications they put out in research papers, everywhere from Canada to Pakistan, the OECD, uh, Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister of Ca Canada, um, made public statements using that great reset phrase and a few associated phrases. So it's a think tank with lots and lots of high profile friends and very influential. It influences governments, it influences businesses, and it influences the way all these people think because they get together and talk about this stuff and go away and do their own thing and it's all lodged in their head. Um, that brings me to the Great Reset. What exactly is it? Well, it's actually a project of the World Economic Forum. Um, it is the title, as I said, of their next annual meeting in May 2021. Uh, it is also produced in a big document. Um, it's full of many words that make, you know, that are boring reading, and a lot of them are buzzwords and generalised and all the rest of it, and it's just frankly excruciating. Uh, but some of the buzzwords it includes are things like change and transformation. It's always on about change and transformation. It wants to really change things. It wants to see that change and transformation in every country and every industry, so it's quite radical. And it wants to see that change and transformation shaped and brought on by the recovery from COVID-19 to reimagine economic systems and reimagine capitalism, as we shall see in just a moment. Uh, it's full of lots of PC stuff. There's lots of stuff about e equality and sustainability, really heavy on climate change, really heavy. Um, and, uh, and, and also, um, there's LGBT inclusion and all that stuff as well. Importantly, this is not just um, a document that is, or, or even a body, the World Economic Forum, that's all about governments. It's also all about big, the biggest businesses as well. It brings them into the agenda. And it does that by saying, oh, businesses aren't just about business. Businesses are actually all about, uh, you know, uh, making a better world. And businesses are all about politics. And businesses are all about leaving legacies and changing society. And we've seen that a lot in businesses lately, most with, mostly with them becoming more and more woke uh, and enforcing diversity and inclusion agendas. And you see like Rugby Australia sacking Israel Folau, and you see Qantas with all of their games that they play. We're seeing this a lot in business. Well, the World Economic Forum is inviting businesses into the fold and saying, this is business and government, and we're all into this, this thing of making a better world. That's significant, because we're about to see uh, the World Economic Forum supports stuff that traditionally businesses would not embrace. But they've cleverly included business in the agenda, so that's, that's um, very clever on their part. Um, now, all of that's very general. But there are times when people like Mr. Schwab himself, Klaus Schwab, um, are a lot clearer 
about their meaning and they really distill what they want um, and you can get a sense of what they really mean with a bit more clarity and a bit fewer words. One example is October the 22nd Time magazine, an article by Klaus Schwab himself summarising a lot of his work and much of what the Great Reset stands for. And I'm going to just read some quotes and make comment. He says this, for example, he says, a better economy is possible, but we need to reimagine capitalism to do it. What he really means is pitch out capitalism and put something in its place, but reimagine is a little bit more acceptable and genteel in the diplomatic world. Uh, he goes on to say, the same economic system that created so much prosperity in the golden age of American capitalism in the 1950s and 1960s is now creating inequality and climate change. So in other words, capitalism's no longer any good. It was great, but no longer any good. And he says, and the same political system, so not economic system, but now political system that enabled our global progress and democracy after World War II now contributes to societal discord and discontent. Each was well-intended, but had unintended negative consequences. So short version, capitalism's bad now, democracy's bad now. Both of them are broken, both of them need resetting, both of them need fixing. You can get a sense of where this is going. Um, he says crazy things like evidence that democracy is now splintered and messed up is things like Black Lives Matter and the climate justice movement, which is insane because these things have not been birthed from uh, belief in democracy or any of the ideals of democracy. These things have been set up as uh, an antithesis to democracy. They're revolutionary movements that don't believe in democracy or don't believe in Western values or any of these things at all. Uh, and they've been set up and they're causing all this trouble. He's like, yeah, so you see what democracy does? See all the trouble it causes? No, <laughs> these are anti-democratic movements. Um, and you see this a lot. It's almost like a kind of gaslighting. For example, with um, Biden and the Democrats coming in and saying, now's the time for healing. We're all going to you know, heal America. We're going to have peace and quiet like we, we couldn't have under Donald Trump because of all the division and the anger. And we know that the movements that were causing the violence when Donald Trump, or Donald Trump is still president, but you know, in, the, in, the, in the Trump term over the last few years, we know that they're left-wing movements. We know that it's Black Lives Matter that was doing that. We know that it's Antifa that was doing that. It wasn't, you know, Trump following, um, you know, uh, uh, Texans that were doing that. It just wasn't. But see, there's a kind of gaslighting here. It's like, oh, well, now we can heal because that was his fault when it was them all along. Um, anyway, that's a slight tangent, but uh, it's becoming more and more common. So Klaus Schwab is up the creek on that stuff, but nonetheless, that's his point. He says, I don't, capitalism's got to change, democracy's got to change. He goes on, there are reasons to believe a better economic system is possible and that it could be just around the corner. He goes on to say two reasons for that. COVID-19, here's a great reset opportunity. Here's a new economic system we can bring in. Uh, now's the chance, since we've botched our economies effectively. <laughs> and you know, maybe we can do something different now to hide that. Uh, the other thing he actually uses a lot and that the World Economic Forum uses a lot is climate change. Climate change as another sort of crisis, so to speak, to, um, uh, to precipitate a massive reinvention of these systems. He goes on, for the past 30 to 50 years, the neoliberalist ideology has increasingly prevailed in large parts of the world. This approach centers on the notion that the market knows best, that the business of business is business, and that the government should refrain from setting clear rules for the functioning of markets. Those dogmatic beliefs have proved wrong, but fortunately we are not destined to follow them. Yeah, really? Okay. Um, I would say that a lot of the debt trouble that Western countries are in right now isn't because of markets, but it's because of government interventions like coronavirus. Um, seriously. Uh, but anyway, notice how um, um, uh, 
he's saying that businesses, he's bringing them into the political realm. The business of business is no longer business, but something far greater. Join us, you know, be part of this program. That's uh, really significant. And here's the other thing. He says these things have been proved wrong. The reality is that the last, you know, since World War II, if you look at the democratic and the capitalistic systems of the world and how that's spread into more and more countries, the reality is that it has lifted more people out of poverty than at any other time in history. It has elevated more into the middle class than at any other time in history. It has, it has raised up the lives of more people. It has improved the lot of more people than any other move or idea in all of history. And actually when you do that, you get all the other things that Mr. Klaus says that he wants. Uh, you get, for example, uh, far less emissions per capita with the technological advancement and with the change from a country from third world to developing to first world. You get all sorts of benefits. Um, and he says, no, no, we don't want those benefits through the capitalistic tradition. We've got a better idea. That's important to note. Um, here's something far more telling, far more telling. A video was released by the World Economic Forum, since deleted, interestingly, based on the notion of imagining life in 2030. It's a short video with a number of taglines. The first tagline that appears on the screen, and indeed the thumbnail of the video was, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Now here's a question. Who exactly is you? Who's owning nothing? I'll tell you this, it isn't Klaus. I'll tell you this, it's not the World Economic Forum. I'll tell you this, it's not the big businesses and big governments that are involved in the World Economic Forum. Oh no, but it's you. It's the little guy. You own nothing. Because someone is going to own something. That is pure communism. With an elite ruling class that oversees all things. And the little guy owns nothing and is meant to be happy doesn't work that way in practice. Great idea. Um, the next line is, whatever you want, you will rent. And it makes my point. Who are you renting it from? Who are you paying? I thought we all own nothing. Someone owns the things. Someone made the things. Someone replaces the things. Someone is responsible for the things. It's just not you. It continues, the US won't be the world's leading superpower. Uh, in other words, and it goes on to say, it will be a coalition of nations. So it will be a multinational government. That's what will dominate. Right. Um, as if that could possibly go wrong. And again, if America is not the superpower, I mean, what, do we want China to be the superpower? Do we think that'll go well? I mean, this is sort of the world government stuff. Um, it's, it's idealism. It says, you'll eat much less meat, an occasional treat, not a staple. So in other words, someone is now telling me what I can eat. Someone's now telling people what kind of meat they can grow and how they can distribute it, and they're controlling food, production, supply, and what you put into your mouth. Surprise, I guess if you don't own anything and you're dependent on the government who owns everything to rent stuff from, why not let them define what your diet is? It goes on, a billion people will be displaced by climate change, will have to do a better job at welcoming and integrating refugees. Okay, the first part of that statement, false. A billion people will not be displaced by climate change. But even if climate change was happening of that nature, there's plenty of work been done to show that the best way to deal with it is technological advance. 
and actually have the technology to deal with it. People can live anywhere with the right technology. People can handle anything with the right technology. That is technological advance that will do it. But no, they say instead we're going to have to welcome and integrate refugees. And what this is based on effectively, and frankly a lot of countries do a great job welcoming and integrating refugees. They just do it in a sustainable way. But of course this is based on the idea that all cultures are relative, a relativistic view of culture that there's no culture that's better than another, there's no values that are better than others, you know, no country has gotten further ahead because of its values and its culture which are good, uh, and therefore to dilute that uh, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Uh, it is to, and you'll go on to the see that they don't believe in Western values, and so that's really what they're after. They want the Western world to be overwhelmed by cultures from develop, the developing world quickly so that they no longer exist. It says polluters will have to pay to emit carbon dioxide. There will be a global price on carbon. Again, I say levied by whom? Who gets the carbon price? Well, not you, because you don't own anything. No, the carbon price will go to the people who own the stuff, and they'll get fatter, and they'll get richer. Uh, and at whose expense will that be? Yours, who doesn't own anything. Because that's what happens. The carbon price filters down to everything else. It increases the prices of everything. They actually say this, Western values will have been tested to the breaking point, which goes in with what, Ms. what Klaus was saying before about the fact that Western values, uh, democ democracy, capitalism, and all that are on the way out. They no longer work. What are Western values? Well, do you know it's interesting? Western values, at the very least, are freedoms. Freedom of movement, freedom of speech, freedom of conscience, freedom of religion, freedom of assembly, freedom to protest, that sort of thing. At least people agree on that. Ah, okay, so freedoms. I'll tell you what else people basically agree on is that Christianity or a form of it is universally considered to be a Western value. Oh, but that'll have been tested to breaking point, old hat now. Who needs the freedoms? Who needs the Christianity? New system. Well, finally, let me read quickly a couple of quotes from an article. Uh, published by the World Economic Forum, how life could change in my city by the year 2030. This is hair-raising. It says, welcome to the year 2030. Welcome to my city, or should I say our city. I don't own anything. I don't own a car. I don't own a house. I don't own any appliances or clothes. It might seem odd to you, but it makes perfect sense for us in this city. Everything you considered a product has now become a service. We have access to transportation, accommodation, food, and all the things we need in our daily lives. One by one, all these things became free, so it ended up not making sense for us to own much. Now again, someone created that stuff. Someone has power over that stuff. Someone takes the rent for that stuff, as it said in the last list. Uh, someone developed it, someone repairs it. It's just that you don't own it. You don't own it. Someone's getting rich off it. Once in a while, now note this, this is how it closes. Once in a while, I get annoyed about the fact that I have no real privacy. Nowhere I can go and not be registered. I know that somewhere, everything I do, think, and dream of is recorded. I just hope that nobody will use it against me. I mean, it's just 1984 out in the open. It's not even hidden. So you're gonna be tracked. Everything you think, everything you dream of, everywhere you go will be registered. You will be So I wasn't wrong, was I, when I said, oh, it's just you that won't own it. It's just that you that pays all the money. It's just you that has your life control to the point of whether you can eat your meat or not. It's just you now that is tracked and watched and followed. This is pure communism. 
Notice, all in all, it's a good life, much better than the path we were on, where it became so clear that we could not continue with the same model of growth. We had all these terrible things happening, lifestyle diseases, climate change, refugee crisis, environmental debt degradation, completely congested cities, water pollution, air pollution, social unrest and employment. We lost way too many people before we realized that we could do things differently. It's utopian. It'll solve the fact that there's countries in the world from which people want to flee because of war. We're going to end wars. Have you heard that before? We're going to have world peace. There's going to be no refugee movements. We're going to uh, get rid of diseases. I mean, for heaven's sake. We're going to get rid of climate change, as if that's within our power. I mean, it's utopian, communistic. Now, here's the thing. Is this a conspiracy theory? I don't know. I mean... I should say just no. Uh, I was going to say I don't think it is, and then I said no, and it sounded like I said I don't know. That's not what I meant. I don't think it is. Um, it's a real idea by a real bloke and a real entity. The problem is that entity happens to be sort of the hobnobbing place of many world leaders and business leaders, and these ideas are going to be rubbing off on them. Now, I hope that our government has the good sense to resist this. I don't have a lot of confidence because the thing is there's not many Donald Trumps in the world who are not part of this establishment class who have to pander to their friends in the political world, right, uh, that have to be seen to pay credence to this stuff because their future and their politics and their lives depend on it. Uh, Trump was a true outsider and that's why they didn't like him. We don't have many of those figures. Uh, and this shows us how these people at the very top in these global institutions, how they are thinking. They actually are Marxists and or communists and or something a little bit like both of those things, whatever word you want to give it, uh, centralized government people, they are that kind of person. This is what they believe. They believe in the power of themselves and their own ideas to make a utopia that puts people into a position of total control. Total being controlled, that is. Um, and here's the thing. COVID-19 has shown that the West will embrace this, at least at first, in exchange for a sense of safety and security and for handouts from the government, and for the odd footy match, where we have state of origin with 50,000, and yet we can't even go to a church with all of our friends at church, not allowed to do that, but a 50,000 footy match is fine. For that, we will give up most things. We will give up our movement. We will give up our work. We will give up our Western freedoms, like protesting and assembly. We will give up connection with our family. We will give up everything because the government will keep us safe. Isn't that precisely what they want? No wonder Klaus Schwab has written a book, COVID-19 and the Great Reset. Because this, he says, is exactly what we want. And that was what we did for a disease with a 99.9 something percent survival rate for young people and a high 90% survival rate for old people. As if it was the Black Death and we're all going to die. Give away a lot, don't we? Quickly, easily. People will drink this up at first. But as a, the old saying goes, you only vote for communism once. Um, and by the way, COVID-19 was one thing. The next they'll try and engineer into a crisis to get more of this agenda off the ground will be climate change. And it's very clear in the Great Reset documentation that's precisely what they want to do. Uh, and that really is, I think, the threat posed by this, is the influence of this group, the World Economic Forum, and the way people are primed to accept it. You know, I was asked very recently uh, at a public forum what I believe is the biggest threat in the next decade or two 
which we're largely unaware of. That was the question I was asked. It was actually a forum in Alice Springs. And I thought about it and I didn't want to give an answer because it sounds crazy. But I said then, communism. And I have thought that for a while, but I haven't really said it. Because if you take people too far ahead of where they are, they switch off and don't listen to you. But that is what I believe. It's already happening institutionally in many changes to legislation, in many changes around crises like COVID-19. The response is communistic, or maybe there's a more precise word, but communistic is close. It's already happening radically in movements like Black Lives Matter. We're trained Marxists, they said. They're revolutionary, they wanna wreck the joint. They're total, uh, this is how they think, or, or, or Extinction Rebellion, or Occupy Wall Street, or Safe Schools, or any number of others, and there'll be more in the future. It's already happening mentally by capturing the minds of young people in the education system. If you teach them Marxist and communistic concepts in the curriculum for long enough, they will embrace it when it arrives. I know more than one young person who's recently finished year 12 who proudly announces that they are Marxists. And it was purely, I can tell you, because of their education. And that's here in Australia. But of course, it has to happen, doesn't it, when you remove God? Where else do people go for contentment, for security, for purpose, for everything of that nature. If there is no higher authority than the state, and with starry eyes and with their misplaced hopes, they will start looking to the state to make them happy. It won't last because it'll prove false, but that's where people are starting to look. But there is something more than the state. There is something more than politics. The destiny of all things, ultimate meaning, are found in none other than the living God. Utopia is not on this earth. Utopia is in the next life and the next world. And I am so glad that there's something more than politics. I'm so glad that Trump or Biden or whoever my favorite candidate is winning the presidency is not what my happiness, my security, my joy, and all that sort of stuff, that's not what it depends on. Never has, never will because there's something far greater than Trump, there's something far greater than Biden, there's something far greater than Scott Morrison and Anthony Albanese for the Australian politicians, there's something greater than the World Economic Forum. The world is losing sight of that fact. People everywhere are losing sight of that fact. Our leaders don't believe that fact. And so statism is what is going to happen unless we recover that fact afresh. All right, second up, I'm gonna be talking about the Change and Suppression Conversion Practices Prohibition Bill 2020. A word salad, uh, a mouthful, uh, but it is effectively this issue of LGBT conversion therapy. That is the name of a bill that is introduced this week into the Victorian Parliament. Victoria is the second most popular state of Australia for those watching from overseas. Um, search our YouTube channel for my conversion therapy com commentary uh, from the past, particularly one from last season. But I wanna speak about it again with extra clarity because Victoria has raised the bar with this latest bill introduced into the Parliament this week. I've read a lot about the bill. I haven't read the detail of the bill, but I'm pretty sure I understand what's in it based on what I've read about it and the information we've been given. It is a bill which, as the title says, note the change and suppression, change and suppression. It's purporting to outlaw change and suppression practices. I mean, uh, it's a bill that prohibits change. It's a bill that prohibits suppression. And the other word in there is a bill that prohibits conversion. Now, it will be falsely marketed as a bill that prohibits torture and coercion and abuse. 
and it'll be falsely justified based on a report that was given to the Victorian government by the Human Rights Law Centre and La Trobe University, which claims that such things are rife in Christian and religious communities, that is, torture, coercion and abuse. I quote from the report, harmful conversion practices emerged in conservative Christian communities in the 1970s. Our research suggests that conversion practices and ideologies are being mainstreamed within particular Christian churches. Conversion activities can constitute torture or cruel, inhuman and degrading treatment, particularly when they are administered through force or to children. They go on to make the outrageous claim that up to 10% of LGBT Australians are vulnerable to these harmful practices, that is torture and etc., degrading treatment, cruelty, because 10% of Australians attend religious institutions like Protestant churches. I mean, it's a huge leap. Let me be clear, these are lies. Abusive, coercive treatments of LGBT people were as much a part of mainstream medicine as they were of any religious communities. These things were done in government institutions. Uh, but there's a bigger issue. None of these things are happening anywhere in Australia today. Full stop. End of story. It's a sham. It isn't even True. In fact, successive governments have admitted that. Queensland admitted it. South Australia's admitted it. The ACT have admitted it. Not happening. No evidence. So what does the bill do? Well, I go back to where I was a moment ago. What does it actually do? The words change, suppression, conversion. Those words are important. And examples are, that are given in the aforementioned report include churches that state, quote, change is possible. Churches that have a, quote, welcoming but not affirming stance. Churches that are, quote, saturated with an exclusively heterosexual ideology. As if heterosexual sexuality is an ideology, right? It's called biology creation. Um, the idea that same-sex attracted people are committed to celibacy. Discussions in faith-based settings between freely consenting adults. Scripture reading. Prayer. Let me be clear. These things could constitute crimes punishable by imprisonment. We asked during a briefing with the government a few questions. We asked whether a parent with a gender dysphoric child would be engaging in criminality for encouraging their child to embrace their biological sex. They couldn't give us an answer. So a parent who is apprehensive about putting their child on hormones and potentially ruining their life by chopping up their body for, for who, wants to, who is apprehensive about that for good common sense and scientific reasons, namely that most children grow out of it, they might be criminalizing themselves. We asked whether a fully mature, grown adult could voluntarily seek support from like-minded individuals, or maybe a pastor or a counselor. Now these group sessions where people who get together who want to get together, uh, they happen. You know, if they want to control their LGBT inclinations, because that's what they want for themselves. Again, the government couldn't give an answer. Would they be encouraging criminality? So apparently anyone can live out their identity without judgment or restriction unless they're a Christian. Right? If you want to live as a Christian first, you can't. You can't seek that, the help that would allow that, because that would be encouraging criminals. It's, that's not to mention medical practitioners who don't want to rush to affirmation, but want to check for underlying causes. That's not to mention pastors who just preach the Bible. Uh, there's a number of other scenarios I could come up with, all concerning. I mean, the question that arises to me is, who does the Victorian government even think that they are? 
They've never met these parents. They've never met their children. They've never met the LGBT Christian who wants to live as a Christian first. They know nothing about them. And yet they decree on threat of prison what is best for that person, regardless of who that person is or what that person wants. This is just about outlawing change. It's about outlawing suppression or indeed even seeking self-control. It's insane. Or it's, it's actually evil. Here is a statement released this week by the Victorian Premier. He says this, this is Daniel Andrews. Cruel and bigoted practices that seek to change or suppress a person's sexual orientation or gender identity will soon be stamped out across Victoria thanks to new laws introduced to Parliament today. Well, firstly, cruel and bigoted practices were ended a long time ago. And it wasn't thanks to Daniel Andrews. This is just rhetoric to hide what's actually within the bill. He goes on, the bill denounces such practices as deceptive and harmful, reinforces that ideology behind these practices is flawed and wrong. Now, if you say, if you define these practices as everything that the bill covers, and then you say, well, what's the ideology behind these things that I've just been talking about, the parents and the counselling and the pastors and all this kind of stuff, what's the ideology? It's called Christianity. That's the ideology. It's called the Bible. It's called parents' rights to raise their kids according to their moral and religious values. That's the ideology that's flawed and wrong, according to Mr. Andrews. He goes on, responses to reports uh, will be survivor-led and trauma-informed, focusing on community education and facilitation. This will ensure that any response meets the needs and wishes of the affected person. You know, I've read, and I don't want to uh, have a go at anybody, except this is a fact. I've read the 15 survivor testimonies in the report that I mentioned before. And the individuals here, whilst they say what they went through hurt them, they did not survive coercion or abuse. They're not survivors of torture. They're survivors of having once gone to church and very much disliking the doctrine, or having once gone to a voluntary consenting support group and having thought better of it afterwards, or having disagreed with their parents over their uh, sexuality and having later been upset by it or been upset by it at the time. Those are the sorts of things that they are survivors of. And that's the extent of it. Let's not overstate this and say that this is all about torture. It isn't. And I'm sorry that they felt that these ideas were hurtful and harmful to them. But here's the thing. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to go to these groups. Some people like it. Some people want it. You don't have to. And you left. And that's how it should work. It's called a free world. Um, not to mention, there are huge numbers of people in Christian churches who used to identify as LGBT but no longer do. And there are increasing numbers of people who used to identify as transgender and no longer do. And it's been Christians that have, I know a guy here in Australia who was a trans woman for a number of years and then detransitioned and he was dropped like a hot potato by the trans community for doing that. And it was Christians who picked up the pieces and he joined a church and he's a great fella. And he now sees that what he did, he, he disagrees with what he did. He disagrees with the life that he lived and he wants to and he couldn't be happier about living the life that he's living now as a Christian. These people are real. There's heaps of them. They couldn't be happier about it. And they're erased by this bill. The life they want to live, it will be illegal for people to seek that life if this bill passes. I repeat, who does the Victorian government think they are to live these people's lives for them? 
Andrew says this bill also puts in place strong criminal sanctions for people who subject others to change or suppression practices that cause injury or serious injury with up to 10 years jail for the latter. Those who try to get around the new laws by subjecting people to change or suppression practices will cause, which cause injury outside of Victoria could face a jail term of up to two years while advertising these practices will incur a criminal sanction and a maximum fine close to $10,000. So this is where we are. The risk here is, and it's not even a risk, it's true, that the gospel itself, parts of it, parts of the Bible itself and pastoral ministry and responsible parenting and good medical care, parts of all of these things are set to become potentially jailable offences. We're actually here, we've arrived. Now, it won't happen immediately. I don't think that's how it works. These laws tend to sit on the books for a while, uh, and they'll sit there until culture changes a little further, and then they'll be used for the first time by an activist to attack some fringy case that it's hard to defend, because they'll be waiting for it and waiting for it. It could take five years to happen, but it'll happen. And then they'll be used more and more and more to attack truth and attack people who have done nothing wrong. That's how these things work out. You know, I recall doing a, an interview for 60 Minutes on this subject of conversion therapy. And this part didn't go to where, but I remember asking the journalist, I said, what if, what if all that is good and right, what if true joy and peace and happiness, what if those things weren't actually to be found within a person's identity or within a person's inner self? What if this whole mantra of identity, of self-discovery, of pride, what if it's all exactly backwards? What if I'm not actually God? What if worshipping and serving the inner self, the creature, as Romans 1.25 says, what if that's not my destiny? What if that's not what's right and good and best for me? What if, in fact, God, whom I should serve and submit to, is not inside of me, but it is outside, he is outside of me? What if he is transcendent? What if all that is good and right, what if true joy and peace and happiness are to be found outside of myself in God alone? And what if a life enslaved to self and its passions and desires is a life of misery, a life of shame? One that you have to compensate for, frankly, by shouting about pride, ra waving rainbow flags at people and suing them for saying things you don't like. What if actually the converse of that is a life that's liberated from self, a life that's alive to God, reconciled to God and submitted to his will and purpose? And what if that was true freedom? What if that brought peace to the heart? What if that was actually joy? As Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. What if, as Jesus says, you know, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. The truth will set you free. You know, it's not what if, it's actually true. We are those who are made to worship and serve the creator, not the creature, to use the language of Romans 1.25. The answer is not in self-worship, but it is in being reconciled instead to God through the cross of Jesus Christ and worshiping and living for him. And I know that many, I really do know this actually, uh, it's, it's some of the more difficult times in my life have been spent reading documents to this effect. Um, I know that many an LGBT person suffers a lot of mental anguish. I know that the mental health outcomes are bad and make really tough reading. I know that suicide rates are high. I, I've read papers on the subject, I've heard many testimonials, and it's a hard read. Because every time I do it, I read stories from people who are oppressed in themselves and very unhappy. Now, I've been told that by gay activists. It's not just my words. I've read that in the reports authored by people like the, uh, the, the, the Human Rights Commission. I'm here to tell you this, banning conversion therapies won't solve any of that. It won't. Jesus will solve that. He stood up to speak his first sermon in Luke's Gospel, and he said that he had come to set free those who are oppressed. 
And he did that by taking our sin on himself, which is the thing that oppresses us, our slavery to ourselves and the passions and desires of the self. And he nailed that to his own cross. He suffered under the judgment of it. And here are his words in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. In other words, submit to me, not self, but me. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now that's the truth. And if Daniel Andrews wants to call that bigoted quackery and wants to send me to jail for it, well, I guess I'll have to go to jail with half the Christians in Victoria because there is no way you can expunge that message and that truth because it is the gospel and it's never been expunged before despite people's best efforts. To quote the apostles in the book of Acts, when the ancient anti-discrimination tribunal, the Sanhedrin, told them to shut their mouths and stop speaking, they said, we must obey God rather than men. I'm Mark Niles, and that was the truth of it. Hey, one more thing. You know, I've been looking at the metrics and I figured out something. You guys are watching the videos and not subscribing. So please help us out a great deal by hitting the like button and then hitting subscribe, hitting the bell as well so you get the notifications. It helps us out a really great deal and you can click here to see more videos.